Hi, I'm Corin. And I'm Tamir. We're brothers who were raised in Israel by American parents. I recently moved to Canada. And I still live in Jerusalem. We decided to make a podcast to help us stay in touch. And hopefully get even closer. This is Long Distance Brotherhood. Cue music. <laughs> you don't have to say cue music. I'm really hoping that this time we don't have the same problems we had last time, because last time, while we were recording, the internet kept dying on me, which was not cool, and made it awful to edit, although Tamir did most of the editing, so I guess I can't really complain. <laughs> yeah. I was actually going to put that in still happening if it if it happened again, but uh, we'll see. Uh, uh, so, how are you? How is life all the way there in Israel? Good. Uh, so, two projects that I've been working on for a while at work went uh, public and I and even had some articles written about them so that was cool, cool. Um, I also I've been wearing a smartwatch recently for for work and since that's happened I no longer get phantom vibration in my pockets which is cool oh yay but I but I do occasionally get it on my wrist <laughs> <laughs> and I think most importantly something that happened to me since the last podcast is that Bernie Sanders won in New Hampshire 60% to 38% Oh my god. That is a landslide victory. No, that's actually a huge, huge, huge deal. And hopefully it'll, it'll dictate some of what's to come. I mean, currently Hillary is leading in, in polls in, in other states, but I think, A, there haven't been really many polls since New Hampshire, and B, I think the victory in New Hampshire could also shape a lot of opinions, because I'm sure a lot of people who would vote for Bernie were maybe hesitant about it because he seemed like a fringe candidate, but now he is a very, very big possibility so i think a lot of people who might have been on the fence for voting for him would vote for him it is possible because of the way that the that the election system works you know you sort of think wow if uh, hillary is polling so much higher she probably also has a better chance of beating the republican candidate and so maybe it's better not to try to shove in someone who who will have a harder time competing with the republicans it's actually not true, though, because I, from polls I've seen, Bernie actually fares better against Republican candidates than Hillary does. Which doesn't really surprise me, mostly because he's a man. I feel like there's a chance of him getting some votes, you know, from the other side or whatever, but uh, people are less inclined to vote for women, I believe. Um, I mean, I, I do think that's true. Obviously, there's, there's a, a whole slew of reasons people vote for who they vote for yeah uh that that's just one of them but i do think it's a factor i think it's a factor but people also really dislike hillary she's just she's she seems like a very disingenuous person to a lot of people so and people are really turned off by that um as for me my news is that i finally got an actual job interview okay which may lead to me getting an actual job so that would be nice yay yeah, uh, the interview is in two days, so by the time we podcast again, we'll be able to talk about how it went and maybe discuss my new job, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> also in news, uh, we were mentioned, this podcast was mentioned on a blog, which makes what? us official. Was it Maury's blog? We are now an official podcast. No, it was our older brother's blog. <laughs> <laughs> but that does not make this any less official. All right, all right, fair. I should read that. I didn't know that. And and the last bit of news is, uh, unfortunately, Sanders has now leaked into my personal news. 
because uh, I, I actually sat down and read a little bit about uh, about Bernie and about Hillary and what they believe and what they say. I watched a bit of a debate. So I have to say that so far, I am on Sanders' side, although I'm really quite okay with Hillary. Like, I don't understand the hate she's getting. She seems like a pretty reasonable candidate. She's she's less uh, less extreme than than Sanders and not trying to burn everything down, but she does seem to have opinions in the right directions and stuff. For sure. I mean, I don't I don't think she's crazy. I don't think she's awful. If it was her against a Republican, I would definitely vote for her. But she has historically made a lot of decisions that Democrats don't like. You know, Bernie was against the war in Iraq and Bernie was against Citizens United and but also because Bernie doesn't have a super PAC people believe when he says that he'll overturn Citizens United that he'll do it. Whereas Hillary benefits a lot from her super PAC. She gets paid absurd amounts for speaking at Goldman Sachs and she won't disclose any of things, anything she says there. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there are no recordings of it. None none of it leaks out. So people feel weird about her. And I think there's, there's merit to that. All right. Um, So our topic today was chosen by Corin this time, and we are discussing technology which I guess Corin is pretty close to right now, working in a high-tech company. Yeah. So do you have any questions for me? I have a slew of questions for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right for the jugular. Do you think the singularity will occur within our lifetime? And follow-up question is that, I mean, obviously it could be either a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, how do you see it playing out? What, what singularity are you referring to? The event in which artificial intelligence uh, would be capable of recursive self-improvement. Oh, okay. Do I think that will happen within our lifetime? No. It might. There's a slight chance of that. I think it won't. We're still pretty far from AI. Although I guess one needs to consider that as technology improves, so will our lifespan. So we might conceivably live longer than we expect to right now. That'd be cool. I'm up for that. Yeah, that that would be nice. That that would increase the chances of something like that happening. Uh, Do I think an explosion of artificial intelligence is a bad thing? No. No, I really don't. I I kind of welcome it. Humans are nice and all, but I I would like to see a better form of life. (laughs) So I, I for one, welcome our new artificial intelligent overlords. (laughs) Uh, that That was a pretty heavy question, though. God, my questions seem boring now. <laughs> okay, so which n- new gadgets, apart from your phone, can you not live without? Like, what pieces of tech are really important to you? Hmm. There's can't live without, and there's I like them a lot. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, having a laptop is a pretty big deal to me. Like, I had a desktop for most of my life, and then when I started working at this job, I got a, a laptop. And it's kind of just a huge game changer. Like, the second you can watch movies in bed, you can't go back, you know? And I also have a smartwatch now. If I wasn't getting it from the company, I feel like I probably couldn't really get myself to buy it. Like, I feel like I just can't justify it yet. Because we're not, we're not at the stage of smartwatches where they really have a really well-defined purpose. I like calling this the BlackBerry stage of, of wearables. <laughs> because it's like we, ha- we, we kind of have the technology, but we're not sure exactly what we're supposed to do with it yet. But we'll get there. I'm, I'm confident we'll get there soon. It's interesting that you answered this question with computers. Like, I I sort of meant besides a computer when I said besides your phone, but both of your answers were computers. Well, because that's what my life revolves around. Yeah, no, fair enough. It's just interesting. 
So something that I, I always I think about a lot is uh, whether or not we'll struggle with technology when we're older, like the same way our parents and grandparents did. So I was wondering what you thought about that. Oh, I totally will. It's somewhat surprising, but I'm kind of a technophobe. What? I have this ingrained weariness of new technology, and it takes me a very long time to, to adapt to things or to, to join new things. And some I don't ever, like, you know, I don't have Facebook or something like that. You know, it's like a newfound thing that kids are doing. <laughs> <laughs> so have you just been a curmudgeon your whole life? Sort of. And my wife is too. <laughs> I'm going to have to make efforts to not do that. I excuse it to myself by using uh, security arguments and stuff like that. Like, oh no, my information, my privacy. But really, I think I just don't like to try new things. Also, you have a you have a smartphone, so you don't have privacy. Let's be real. Do you remember how long it took me to get a smartphone, though? A very long time. It was driving me crazy. Oh, there you go. So the thing about technology is there are theories. Like everyone thinks, yeah, when we get older, we'll have the same kind of struggles that our parents did. But on the other hand, we were born into kind of a very rapid booming of technology, and and we grew up with it. So some people also think, and I would like to believe that this is true, that we're just naturally more adaptive to new things because we were surrounded by so many new things and things were constantly changing while we were growing up. Yeah, but I'd, I'm not sure it made us much more adaptive. You know, when a lot of new technology comes out, we'll be confused by it. And then the kids born into it, will learn it faster and be used to that. And I'm not sure we actually have an advantage there. Yeah, maybe. What, what terrifies me is thinking, what would be a a technological advancement that I would have a hard time comprehending. That terrifies me. Does it terrify you? I find it kind of cool. Well, I'm a very active person technologically. Like, I, my life revolves around technology, so so that does terrify me, absolutely. Okay, which upcoming technological advancements are you looking forward to? You're totally stealing my questions. Ha. I'd, I'd say two things are the most exciting for me. Uh, the first is uh, self-driving cars. I think it's going to be a huge deal. I mean, we're talking so many fewer deaths a year. Mm -hmm. We're talking better for the environment, less ownership of cars. It, like, it, it really, it's a huge game changer, and I think a very positive one. Uh, and the second thing that I am more excited about is lab-grown meat because uh, that would be even better for the environment. It would be better for lessening the suffering of animals, which as a vegetarian is a thing that I care about, and potentially something I would eat, although I'm still not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> well, I think that I would eat lab-grown meat as a vegan. It, it sort of depends on exactly what the process is that creates it, but I would, I would probably be okay with it. Although the, the impact, the huge positive impact that lab-grown meat might have is a might have because the technology is still you know in its infancy and and we're, so far the ways we've found of doing it aren't that amazing and are very expensive we still don't know exactly what what the effect will be you know if anybody if everyone switches over to lab-grown meat how, how much that will help the environment whereas self-driving cars it's much easier to to measure you know it's not going to cost much more to swap out a human driver with a computer driver, and the effect of that would be pretty clear. Are you worried about technology replacing human labor in the future? God, yes. <laughs> oh, that's that's a really big one. And I don't 
necessarily have a problem with it. I think it might even be a really good thing. And it's it's been a good thing in the past. But I am worried about our our social systems because I really feel like we don't have systems in place that can deal with lots and lots and lots of people being out of work. Because as we mentioned, for instance, uh, you know, self-driving cars, that's going to happen very soon. And it's going to become very widespread very soon. And then suddenly a huge percentage of people who whose livelihood depends on transportation, and there are many, many such people, I don't remember the exact percentage, but it's a big one, you know, will be out of a job very quickly and won't necessarily be able to find a better job. Because previously when, when things got automated, you know, okay, so now there's a factory or now the farms work, you know, in a smarter way. So people, you know, moved up and then they learned how to manage the factory or make new things. But if we lose jobs at the rate which we which it looks like we might soon, then I don't know that people will be able to deal with that. And then you'll just have tons and tons of unemployment and the like social system and economic system might collapse. Uh, it's a big problem. And I think it's something we should definitely be thinking about now. And governments should be thinking about this now because it is going to happen pretty soon. Yeah, it's also uh, interesting to think because, you know, pre sort of like industrial revolution, people didn't work the way people work now. Like people, people did work, but it's not, it wasn't like nine hours a day you were sitting and doing X. And reg- even d- disregarding the, the, the economic aspects of it, assuming that people didn't have to work, right? That we could keep uh, functioning as a society with people not working. People don't know how to deal with not working. Like we're, we're so built around that that I feel like people wouldn't know what to do with their lives, which is really scary. It's true. There's a big psychological effect there, too. I don't know. It's terrifying to me. Like, we're, we should be able to just do us without having work being such a huge part of our lives. But I feel like most people can't do that. And that's really, really weird to me. As someone who hasn't been working for the past several months, it's really not fun. <laughs> I'd really like to be doing something. And uh, and I, I can't I can't just do me. I mean, it might have to do with the way that we're raised, and maybe a future generation, you know, might learn to just accept the way they are and be happy with existence. But me right now, I I can't not work. It's driving me nuts. Yeah, I mean, I hope that does happen. I, I feel like it's going to have to because that does seem like the direction things are going in. But I may be colossally wrong about that, so I don't know. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good note. We may be colossally wrong about everything. <laughs> everything we say is guesses, and we have no idea. So, Corin, you do work in high tech, but you are also uh, an actor and a singer. So, how has technology, recent technology, changed acting and singing, if at all? Okay, so I think technology has changed. Well, specifically singing because of auto tune. Although I'm, I'm not sure if that's a thing that's really going to stick around. It probably is, but I mean, there are some artists that are so heavily auto-tuned that I don't know what they even sound like, which is sad to me. Acting, I don't feel like it's affected acting in any, like in a detrimental way. You know, you have stuff like motion captures, so you have Benedict Cumberbatch playing a dragon, crawling around on the floor, making faces, and you've got technology tracking that and then putting those expressions on a dragon. So I think that's, that's cool. But, and I mean, there also have been some positive um, advances in technology that I think have been good for music. Like uh, equipment gets cheaper and 
and editing software is you can in your house now make music that sounds pretty good. So that's not something you could do previously. Mm -hmm. Do you have some kind of technology that you've imagined that you wish had existed? Uh, and if not, I want you to make one up on the spot. <laughs> oh, God. Don't make me make things up on the spot. I am so bad at that. Okay. Well, there was a story I wanted to write for a while that involved a machine that would let you send messages to the past. That's not, it's not very uh, new, like the idea. That people have been talking about time machines of various sorts for a long time. Just kind of like this, uh, this one-time device that you could send the message back to a, a, a preset time. Uh, and then and then see how that would change things. And as I tried to take that to its logical conclusion, it basically ended in the world being completely destroyed <laughs> in, in every way. <laughs> because people would use it to undo mistakes. Like you try something and see if it works out well or not. And then if it doesn't, so you send the message back not to do that. And then you, so you have this situation where people are are doing crazy things all the time just because they can and they can undo it. And and then you it gets a little crazier and it goes all the way to like countries nuking other countries to see if they'll be able to get out of it, you know. And if they can, then they can get away with it, you know, in, in the state of war. But but yeah, so so that was that was a story I was going to write once that never happened. Uh, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> I was just like, hey, what would be a cool invention that you could use? And you were like sending messages back in time and it'll destroy the world. You, you know, what? I didn't plan for it like that. I mean, I first had the idea for <laughs> how it might have worked. And, and then that it just led to like an inevitable conclusion of everybody going crazy and destroying each other. So it's not my fault, really. It's humanity's fault. In, in your story. In my, well, you know what? Humanity is humanity. Hmm. So, uh... What do you think are are disadvantages of recent technology, if any? I don't really think there are many disadvantages to recent technology. People people like to laugh at millennials and say like, oh, everyone's glued to their screen and the average person has 600 friends on social media, but we've never been more alone. And, <laughs> uh, and that's just kind of such bullshit to me because me personally, I'm antisocial regardless of whether or not I have a screen to look down at. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. But I mean, now you have in the palm of your hand a device that would let you talk to someone in Iran or in China so easily. Like it's making the world a smaller place. And I think that's a really, really good thing for humanity. And maybe on a micro level, it looks bad because this kid is sitting and looking at his phone and not looking at other people in the eyes. But at the same time, like he might be doing something amazing. You don't know. It just seems like a very wrong way to look at things. And there's like a million of these videos. They drive me crazy where they, they'll put on some like ambient music, like ambient piano music. And they'll, they'll say those, those types of catchphrases like, on average, we spend 600 hours a year just playing games on our phones. Like, yeah, but we chose to do that. That's fine. <laughs> if you accumulate any number, it sounds like a big thing. Like something, something you're just doing, like watching TV, right? If you spend an average of an 100 hours a year, I'm just throwing out a random number you know, watching TV, then when you put that number together cumulatively, it sounds like a big deal. Like, oh my God, we're wasting our lives away. But at the same time, like that was making you happy and you enjoyed that. So that's fine. That's totally an okay thing. Yeah, it's not really connected to technology either because if, if it wasn't television or smartphones, it could be anything else that we would spend a long time doing. It's not like people are, are very good at spending their lives efficiently. 
Yeah, I saw a really great post on Reddit that showed like an article from the early 1900s that said basically the same exact thing about radio and how that's the same thing people said about TV and it's the same thing people said about phones. Like people just always say that about new technology. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't make it wrong, but it does make you think twice about why they're saying that and if there's truth to it. Yeah. So are you ready for another really, really deep question? (laughs) All right. Um, In your opinion, is there a difference between a perfect AI that acts 100% human that, you know, would pass the Turing test that you would believe is a human? Is there a difference between that and a human? And what is the difference? Okay. Yeah. The, the AI questions are big ones. Uh, I didn't, I didn't ask any AI questions. I feel like AI could have, could be its own topic. Possibly. Okay. So first of all, I, I have to start with just mentioning that the Turing test is not the greatest of tests. I understand that that, that was a test that made sense when Turing came up with it, but you know, there there are computers now that programs that could conceivably pass a Turing test, uh, at least on the short term. That's not really a, the best measure of intelligence, although it's not clear what is a good measure of intelligence. So let's leave that aside for a second. If we have a truly uh, intelligent AI, will it be different than people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it will be a completely different thing. It's, it'll be very hard to compare. I don't know how easily we'll be able to communicate with it even and understand each other even. No, what, I'm, what I meant is that in terms of like what we call humanity of like a person's feelings and their rights and stuff like that, do you, do you see a difference between people and AI? Well, I was, I was going to get to that in that I think they deserve probably equal rights. As far as feelings it's not clear what sort of feelings they'll have and if we can talk about their feelings in the same way we can talk about ours, right? So I, I don't know if I can say that, but but rights for sure. And then once you start talking about rights, you know, you start uh, talking about, is it okay that I'm creating these intelligent beings? Because now I can create intelligence with a control C, control V. Does that mean it's okay? I mean, until now, we've sort of assumed that making children was fine. Right, that's good. Uh, although there are people who, who do think that maybe we need to rethink that one. But if you could create tons and tons of intelligences at the drop of a hat, and you could maybe, I don't know how much, but, but change them in their parameters. So how, how does the morality of that work is not clear. And, and what do they deserve? Yeah, sure, they deserve rights. But I can't exactly say equal rights because their needs are different than ours. If, if I think that humans have a right to food, that's great. Computers don't need food. They'll, they'll need something else. So, so they will deserve rights, but what will those rights be exactly is, is also a good question. God, it's complicated. <laughs> I don't, I'm just going to ask you another question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do you feel about money rather than science being the prime motivator behind technology? Some technology does come about because of science. Um, you know, we do have all kinds of gadgets or, or, you know, things like large particle colliders and stuff like that. But most of technology that we see happens because it pays off. You know, we, we want to do it in order to make money. So how do you feel about that? Well, there's there's also a very big overlap between things that would make us money and things that are good for humanity. Because if something is good for humanity, then... They'll probably make money inventing it. I'm not sure about that at all. I said there's an overlap, a big overlap. I didn't okay. say it's one circle in a Venn diagram. 
Okay, fine. But I'm saying, sure, a lot of people are curing, trying to cure cancer for altruistic reasons, and a lot of people are trying to cure it because it would make them filthy rich. But, you know, whatever cures cancer is good in my book. Yeah, but then on the other hand, you have things like, well, virtual reality doesn't necessarily help anyone, but it might get people addicted to virtual worlds where, you know, we can make them spend lots of money and lots of time. So not necessarily good for humanity, but maybe very good for our pockets. Oh, but it's going to be so much fun. Oh, I know. Virtual reality is going to be amazing. I was just using (laughs) that as an example. Yeah. But on the other hand, I think that the economic side of it also helps push progress a lot faster than it might have happened otherwise. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that for a fact, but it it feels right. I'm going to go with it. (laughs) Go with your gut. (laughs) All right. So if it's cool with you, we're going to move on to the segment which answers the question, is that still happening? By the way, the answer is yes, it is still happening. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, you know what else is still happening? What's that? Jon Stewart is still not on TV since he left The Daily Show, and it breaks my heart, and I don't know how to feel about current events without him laying it out in an entertaining, funny, and oddly informative way. Uh, though I must say he did sign, apparently, a contract with HBO, but we still don't know if that means he'll be on TV or if he's like writing something but I do miss him so much. If you think I'm crazy about Bernie Sanders, I am really crazy about Jon Stewart. Jon Stewart is just one of the coolest people ever. So would it be right to say that you have a thing for older white men? (laughs) Older white Jewish men. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I feel your pain. I don't care much, but for your sake, I hope he comes back to TV. Yeah. I have some some tech-related still happenings to bring to you today in honor of our topic. Oh, I didn't bother doing that at all. So there is a light bulb that is still lit. Have you heard of that? Oh, I have. Vaguely. I don't want to say anything because I'm probably wrong, but go talk about it. <laughs> so, it's, so it's still happening. that There is a light that, that has been going on for about 115 years, you know, an incandescent light bulb. It's called, they call it the Centennial Light because it's been gone for more than 100 years. It belonged to some fire department. Nobody knows why it hasn't burned out or, or <laughs> how it's working its magic, but they don't really want to touch it because it's cool. So <laughs> it's just going on. That's so cool. Where is this light bulb? Good question. It is in California. It's just sitting there? Yeah, sitting there. They, they did move it a couple times. It has been shut off a couple times. But nothing serious, just because it had to, like, be moved and and rearranged. It's like when they leave the building at night, they don't turn off the lights? No, they leave it on. (laughs) It's going to be really, like, a huge bummer when they come to work one day and it's burnt out. And they'll be like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. It'll probably make the news. Light bulb went out. People are going to be like, well, that happens all the time. (laughs) Okay, still happening. Construction near my apartment. Going strong about three months now. Uh, I get to wake up to, like, jackhammering noise every morning. I love it. It's amazing. There's no better way to start off your day than with the sound of... It's great. I wake up I wake up in the morning with a smile on my face. Yeah, that, that sounds really enjoyable. I'm, I'm glad that you have that. <laughs> oh, here's a really big one. Not still happening. We are not learning about the universe by light alone anymore. Have you heard about this? I have. I totally knew you were going to bring this, so I didn't. I didn't bring it myself. Yeah, it's so cool. We have scientists have managed to detect gravitational waves, 
And that is a huge deal for science. We can now learn about the universe around us by, by reading the gravity, uh, which might allow us to see all kinds of objects that were invisible before, like black holes or dark matter maybe, and who knows what else, and, and just get a different perspective on the things that we have been able to see with light. Also, pretty, pretty excitingly, we proved Einstein right. Well, you know, general relativity was, was going pretty strong even before this happened, so that, that wasn't really the big deal. Yeah, but there's, there's concrete proof for it now, so that's cool. Okay, you, you, don't, you don't prove scientific theories. Well, let me just say that. So I, I'm not okay with anybody saying that general relativity has been proven right. Uh, but the first strong evidence for general relativity was, was like in the beginning of the 20th century the, with the whole eclipse thing. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So we've had evidence for this going a long time. This, this isn't totally new. What eclipse thing? So basically what happened was uh, Einstein came out with uh, general relativity in 1915, where it explained uh, sort of the, the movement of Mercury better than the previous theory, but that was about it. But in, in 1919, they had uh, they, they did an experiment. So because the, the theory says that, that gravity, that mass bends space. Right, and then and then things move differently in space, including light. Light needs to be bent by by this mass, uh, which which was not in our previous theories. So the the idea was wait for a solar eclipse and then see when the sky is dark enough, see if the light that's coming from behind the sun gets bent around it. And indeed, in 1919, which is a very long time ago, we wow. found that uh, that light did bend around the sun. That is really cool. Yeah. So that that was like the first test that, that general relativity passed, and and so it continues to pass tests until quite recently, in fact. But I I don't think that is such a big deal. All right, fair. It's just amazing. I don't know. I feel like Einstein was just so far ahead of his time, in, in an insane way. He really was, and and a lot of scientists are. Einstein maybe gets a little a little too much credit. I mean, he was amazing. Really, he was. But a lot of scientists are, are far ahead of their time. Just, just the, the work some people do is really amazing. I'm so jealous. <laughs> you won't believe this next thing that's still happening. Clickbait. I don't believe it. I hate clickbait so much. <laughs> and the problem with clickbait is that it works. Things get a lot more attention when you give them stupid clickbaity titles. And it even works on me, even though I hate clickbait. Mm-hmm. You know, I see like, you won't believe what happens when we put a drop of this inside this flask and i'm like damn it i need to know yeah people are very curious and and holding an element of knowledge away from someone saying here's something i know that you don't but you can find out if you follow me it's very very tempting and it is for me too i i do try to ignore anything with a title like that but it it, it does work i basically boycott upworthy altogether because they're so evil about the way they use it and also they use it for really terrible things like uh-huh. like like human tragedies and stuff like that like don't do that that's not cool yeah still happening uh, our computers are still practically as as slow as they used to be and still have as many like space problems as they, as they used to have which is kind of ridiculous because we've improved our storage technologies exponentially and and we've improved our CPU speeds like crazy. And and still, just like 15 years ago, our devices seem like kind of slow sometimes. And I think that it's kind of sad and mostly has to do with lazy programming. 
because the hardware got so much better. And so the, the software engineers were like, eh, we can just utilize this and not write code. That's too good. But, uh, but very soon, you know, the technology is not going to be able to keep developing as fast. You know, the hardware is not going to be able to keep improving at the same speed. And then it's going to be up to the, up to the software people to, uh, to make things actually work better. Why is the hardware not improving? No, the hardware is, is totally improving, but there, there are, there are limits. You know, there's only so much information you can pack into a square millimeter of, of physical space. We, we really have been improving this technology by leaps and bounds, but there's only so far you can go. Hmm. It's still happening. Gun deaths in America basically every day are still happening, and apparently it's still too soon to talk about it. Yeah, it is, it is very sad. And speaking of which, that's one of the things that perhaps uh, Bernie Sanders doesn't put enough of uh, emphasis on. But the U.S. really, really needs more serious gun control. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the intense opposition to gun control in the U.S. Because, first of all, pretty much every country that has some form of gun control, it works really well. Like in Australia, they had a huge, huge reform, and there have been next to no like the the gun deaths plummeted dramatically there have been pretty much no um uh massacres it was just an incredibly positive change and it seems like a no-brainer and yet people are just like so not willing to make any steps towards it even small things like like mandatory background checks that should not be something you have to argue about like if you're a convicted felon if you have if you have a background of violence, you should not be able to buy a gun. It's that simple. No, only in America. And then what happens is that after a tragedy, liberals in America say, okay, we should really talk about gun control because this is clearly still a problem. And then conservatives say, oh, you're just trying to politicize this tragedy. Mm-hmm. But gun, gun deaths happen basically every day in America, literally basically every day. And if if that's your logic, then they're really is no time to talk about it because it's always after someone died as a result of a gun. But also, you know, you're talking about the relevant thing. There are deaths and you're talking about preventing them. There's no politicizing here. You're legitimately talking about the issue. Yeah. Also, I mean, the Second Amendment was, it was implemented at a time where it seemed like maybe at some point the citizens would have to rise up against a tyrannical government. But since the time it's been implemented, that has not needed to happen once. Mm-hmm. So... I think it might be okay. <laughs> Maybe we don't need to cling to our guns. Yeah. Stick to our guns. Oh, I missed out on a great <laughs> wordplay there. Still happening. We still talk about the U.S. far more than we talk about Israel or Canada, despite the fact that neither of us live there. <laughs> well, I'm very involved in U.S. news and politics. Oh, I can see that. <laughs> But I think most people are like um, the world is very heavily influenced by the U.S. Pretty much everyone watches American TV shows more than they watch even local TV shows, with maybe the exception of like England. Like American uh, culture is very, very, very widespread. And so even if you don't live in America, you still feel like you have some sort of part there in a weird way. Um, I'm not sure that what you said just now is correct about the TV shows. There's a lot of local TV in a lot of countries, and and I'm not at all sure that that it's true that people watch more American TV. Definitely there's a high proliferation of of American television, but I don't think that it it necessarily surpasses local TV in most places. 
I think in a lot of places it does. Maybe not most places. I might have been exaggerating there, but I think I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna not agree with that one until I see numbers. Okay, fine. But I think that regardless of whether or not it's it's watched more, it, there's definitely sort of a common ground of American television between a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I was talking to a person in Iran, and we watch we watch some of the same TV shows. You know, yeah. Uh, still happening. We are on the, in the golden age of television. This is, I want to say inarguably, but I guess that's a pretty subjective thing. <laughs> but this is, uh, I mean, television has just never been as good as it is now. We've got such good programming and the types of stuff that wouldn't have been possible before uh, the market was a little bigger, you know, with online and the actual television channels not being able to monopolize because now, you know, Amazon can make TV shows and Netflix can make TV shows and and we're just seeing such amazing, amazing content. I like there are not enough hours in the day. Um, I agree with you. I really think that the television is excellent right now. But I am hoping that this is not the golden age of television. Rather, I'm hoping that this there's like a continuous improvement going on here because I still think TV has some ways to go. So I'd like to see you know better programming in in a decade and not worse. Yeah, I mean it seems like it is getting better. What I, what I mean is the golden age, listen, the golden age can, can stretch out for a long time. But, uh, <laughs> but I just mean that television really has, no, has never been as good as it is now. And, and I could not be more happy about it as like an insane TV junkie. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty awesome now. Still happening. They're still putting out Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Wait, really? Yep. Didn't they stop? No. There's, a, there's like a fifth one coming out soon or something. I think they've already done number five. Then the sixth one. I, I don't know. Oh, wow. You're right. No, you're right. Number five. Number five is coming out in 2017. Uh, what does that mean? Why? What? <laughs> yeah, no, when something is successful, Disney does not let it go. No, I mean, like, I watched, I think, the first three, and then I was like, okay, guys, uh, you're done. You're done. <laughs> Disney disagrees with you, Corin. All right, I'd like to, I'd like to confess something to you. Yes. Confess your sins, my child. I used to be, I used to be really scared of the dark till I don't know, till like an embarrassingly old age, like maybe fourteen. I think I think a lot of it's because um, I used to fall asleep reading when I was I think maybe eight. I would read Charlotte's Web every night, and I say every night because I I basically read like one page and then fall asleep. So it took me a really long time to read it. Uh, so I would always fall asleep with the light on and then even after i stopped doing that i would always keep the light on and go to sleep with the light on which our parents must have really loved when they got the electric bill um (laughs) and then i had to like force myself to start sleeping with the light off and getting used to that okay uh that's interesting Uh, i always i always slept with the light off myself i uh, recently since you mentioned sleep uh I, i recently have been having serious trouble waking up I have been snoozing my alarm for a complete hour every morning. And it's like a five-minute snooze, so that's like 12 times I've been hitting it every morning. That is my life in a nutshell. <laughs> it's just, it's really hard for me to get up when, when there's no work to go to. It's just, I think I could sleep another hour and no one will know. Well, I have the same problem, except I do have work to go to, and I have a really hard time getting up on time. It's really bad. Um, I can't 
really use apps now without constantly sort of critiquing them and thinking of ways they could improve because that's my job. Alas. So uh, it's kind of annoying because I, I see, I can't just do use something. I always see it in a very critical lens. Do any of them pass your strict standards? Yeah, no, there's some really good apps out there. But even the really good apps, there's like, there's always something small. That I'm like, oh, if you just change this, this would be so good. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Yeah, I, I, I do that a lot also, just just with random programs and websites. I'll just be like, oh, I you could have programmed this better. Come on. <laughs> or, or when my wife is telling me about her work and she's just mentioning something about, you know, the work program, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have done it like that. that that's just really, what were they thinking? And she's like, I'm trying to tell you about my day. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you there. Okay, so I confess that I don't know how to tie a tie. Brother. Uh, yes. I mean, I didn't know until pretty recently. I mean, maybe like two years ago. But then I started going to like a fancy bar uh, where I would wear a tie too. <laughs> and I just learned how to tie. It's really simple. It's like really, really simple. You should just look it up. I'm, I'm sure it is, but I really dislike ties. So I am just want to avoid them. I'd rather not know and not do it ever. <laughs> I actually quite like ties. There's something really cool about ties. Um, I don't like, I mean, I hate things near my neck. And so it is kind of unpleasant because uh, mm -hmm. I get I get really uncomfortable when things are too close to my neck. But I think ties are kind of cool. I don't know. In the same vein uh, of that confession, I, I'm, I'm realizing right now that I only know one way to tie my shoes. Like, I know there's another way to do it. I just have no idea how the other way goes. Yeah, it's that's not such a big deal. I mean, I, I do know what, what you're referring to, but... One way of tying your shoes is fine as long as they get tied, yeah? It'd be a little bit more <laughs> embarrassing if you didn't know how to tie your shoe at all. I feel like that's kind of like a, some sort of motivational quote. You know, one way to tie your shoes is fine as long as they get tied. Right, I'm, I'm picturing a, a, a smiling shot of you, you know, in like <laughs> black and white or something with that coat <laughs> underneath. I was thinking about getting it cross-stitched. And like hanging it in my oh, living room. Oh, nice. I think everything, pretty much any quote is hilarious when you cross stitch it, especially if it's really inappropriate. <laughs> okay, this is going to sound creepy. Okay. Don't think I'm too creepy. It's not my fault, okay? Okay. Okay, I really love the way my wife smells. That's not creepy. It's kind of like, it's a natural reaction. Like, I just, but it's, I really like it, you know? That's not creepy at all. So it's like, it's a little. It's a little shallow, you know, it's kind of like really liking the way someone looks. And I like the way she looks also, but but I just, I don't know, it, it just, just like it. That is the least creepy thing I've ever heard. It'd be weird if you said that about a random person. <laughs> okay, so Corin, something I've been meaning to tell you, I love the way you smell. I said random person, I'm your brother. I mean, if you were talking about like, oh yeah, this one of my coworkers, I love the way she smells. That would be creepy, <laughs> but you're talking about your wife, like, that's fine. That is totally okay. That is like a, an absolutely okay thing to say. That's, that's pretty common. I hear that a lot of people in relationships. That's why I like a lot of girls like taking their boyfriend's shirts and stuff because the way they smell. Mm -hmm. it's, that's a pretty common thing. So, boo, terrible confession. Terrible confession. Yeah, and it, go, it goes two ways, I think. It's, it's also that people are more likely to be with people that, whose smell they like. It's just like as a, like a pheromone thing. And it's also that I, I think if you if you like someone, then you get to like their smell more. So so it's 
It's both of those things. So I guess it's not uncommon. But you know what? You don't get to judge my confessions. <laughs> I give that confession one star. Out of one? Oh, thanks. That was a terrible comeback. <laughs> I give your comeback one star. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tamir, until next time, good luck with the job interview. I really hope that goes well. I know that it's really frustrating for you to not be working right now. Uh, and I hope that it works out. And I hope that the job is fun. I hope that you like it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, until next time, I hope that uh, artificial intelligence does not take over and destroy your life. Thank you. That's really sweet. And that Bernie Sanders continues to win victories because it seems like that's really important to you. <laughs> it's important to America, Tamir. Okay, well, thanks for talking to me, Karin. This is, it's been a pleasure, as always. And yeah. uh, for anybody listening to this podcast... If you exist, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, we're here bi-weekly, uh, meaning once every two weeks. I know that sometimes you could take that to mean twice a week. No, that would be, that would be semi-weekly, actually. I, I know, but, uh, but people, that's, it's a thing that people get confused about. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or suggestions or just hellos, that you would like to send us, you can do that. You can send us emails at alongdistancebrotherhood at gmail.com. So until next time, again, thank you so much for listening. And remember, don't believe everything you hear from two weirdos on the internet.